Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pardon the interruption, but I am Pablo Torre. And so far this week, PTI has been hosted by Frank Isola, Nina Kimes, and now me. So who will be my substitute co-host? Surprise! I saved you from Levitard. You should be happy. I, you know what? I am. You've done that a couple of times in my life, and you're right. You have saved me from Dan and all of his sweatiness, especially in July. Yeah. Gross. You don't want him sweating all over you. I'm not going to sweat. I'm in a fairly air-conditioned attic, except it's 97 <laughs> degrees in Washington, D.C. Summer seersucker and everything. Woo. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Wilbon apparently doesn't care about you like I do. So in his place, I'm joined by my great friend, the host of the ESPN Daily Podcast, my grandson, Pablo Torre. Very nice. And we begin today, Pablo, with the Houston Astros winning a doubleheader at home yesterday over the New York Yankees. Their season series concluded with the Astros winning five out of seven games, including all three in Houston. And this may have playoff significance should the Astros catch or pass the Yankees in the final standings. Currently, the Astros are two and a half games back. Yankees manager Aaron Boone said, and I'm quoting here, I understand it's a big story. It's not going to matter unless it's October. Don't overstate this, unquote. Pablo, is Boone right that it doesn't matter unless it's October? So, Tony, you know I'm a New Yorker. You know that, to me, Mystique and Aura are more than just dancers at a nightclub, as was once famously said about them. October is what matters, correct. But this is... This is pretty transparent spin from Aaron Boone, Tony, because I don't want to worry about the present. I want to think about October, but the Yankees are done playing the Astros in the regular season, and they hit 151 against them, which is the worst the Yankees have hit against a single team in the history of the franchise all time. So I don't want to be worried about this right now, but if there is any time to be worried about July, it is now. Yeah. So first of all, let me say that I was very surprised to learn today, because I don't read the standings every day, that the Astros were only two and a half back of the Yankees. I understand it's not the same division, but I was surprised because we've been saying for months that the Yankees are on a 27 pace. Yes, historic. And I didn't know the Astros were on a 27 pace. So I thought about this as to why it might happen. And there are such things as Achilles heels, both literally and figuratively. It is possible that the Astros are the Yankees' Achilles' heels. If I have this correct, and you would know better than I, because you're a Yankee fan, I think that once the scoring began in all of these games that they played, all seven games, that the Astros never trailed until two Mm. walk-offs in Yankee Stadium, that they were better by far in this series. So maybe, just maybe, the Astros have the Yankees' number, though I tend to agree with Boone in this regard. Until you get to the playoffs... This is simply conversation. I understand that in the playoffs in 2017 and 2019, the Astros beat the Yankees. But there's a Boone quote here that I think is great, and I don't want to just not put it into the show. If we happen to come back here in October, he said in Houston, we're going to show up and we're going to expect to win. And I think that's what the manager should say. 
But Tony, he has to say that, but keep in mind why the regular season matters for that purpose. Because the Yankees cannot beat the Astros on the road, or at least they haven't so far, right? 0-3 in right. Houston, 2-2 right. at Yankee Stadium. So the regular season here, it, maybe they're not the 27 Yankees, as you were we're alluding to, but they really need to be one full game ahead of the Astros to make sure that they have home field advantage because that matters to this team. That is what the summer has taught me. Let, let me just give the cautionary note here, which I'm sure you will approve of. We are still in July. The Astros go to Seattle. They play Seattle seven out of their next 10 games. Seattle good. has won Seattle's 14 good. in a row. So we'll see what they've got. And the Yankees play Baltimore, which has won 11 out of 13 in the <laughs> toughest division in all sports, and then they play the first-place Mets. So I think, Pablo, in two weeks, we're going to have a better clue as to what we're looking at. But, Tony, I want to know if we're going to get a better clue about Juan Soto's future now, because it is uncertain. Your Washington Nationals, right? They have yeah. offered him a yeah. deal. That's crazy, right? I mean, they've offered him a deal yeah. that's like 400-some-odd million dollars, 15 years, $440 million, and now he has rejected yeah. that, and so a trade is reported in the offing, and now Juan Soto is out here retweeting, Tony. I know you're not on the internet, but Derek Jeter had tweeted, loyalty one way is stupidity. Juan Soto retweeted that, quickly deleted that, and now we're left with the trade deadline 10 days away, I believe. So what should your nationals do? Should they keep Juan Soto? Should they move him? This is a hard subject for me. I love Juan Soto. I love the Washington Nationals. But I have watched Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon simply walk away from the Nationals. And I have watched Max Scherzer and Trey Turner get traded. And I have watched Steven Strasburg re-sign and over the last three years not pitch. Essentially yep. not pitch at all. And so I look at this. I look at a team that won the World Series less than three full calendar years ago. And I don't recognize anybody on the team. Nobody. They're all new except for Juan Soto. Look, he's, he's not going to sign. He's not going to sign in Washington. Pablo, he turned down a $440 million deal. <laughs> Let me repeat that for West Coast people who are trailing off. $440 million, he turned it down. The current owners are not going to be able to sign him. The new owners, nobody even knows who the new owners exactly. are. Exactly. So what we have here is, is a circumstance in which his agent... Scott Boris, who may or may not be the devil, is expecting to get $500 million or more and always likes to bring his players to the table in free agency just to see what the market is like. It's so hard for me to say this. Juan Soto's time in Washington is done. They need to trade him. So they got, okay, so Tony, I feel like we got to reiterate this too, not just for the West Coast, but for the people in Micronesia. Because guess what? Juan Soto thinks your GDP is not enough. He wants more. The GDP of a small island country is not sufficient for Scott Boris or Juan Soto. And I get it. The market rate for a guy like that at age 23 is That's unbelievable, right. Tony. That's right. It's unbelievable to the point where we have never seen a trade like this. We should say that very clearly, right? When you go through all of the numbers and the advanced numbers as well as just the counting stats and you say, where does Juan Soto rank through age 23? The names you get, you know them. Ted Williams, yeah. right? Stan Musial, Mickey Mantle, yeah. that's the company. And yeah. so how do you get... Yeah. Yeah. My question for you, yes, you got to trade them, but how do you get equal value? I know they're asking for everything, but okay. can you possibly get well, value me... like that? Okay, you're never going to get what he's worth in the long term. You accept that right away. His trade value is higher now until August 2nd than it will ever be, and here is why. Because he is operating under a contract that is 
easy to deal with for any team in the league, not just the Yankees and the Dodgers. Anybody can get into this because they get him for the rest of this year, half a yes. season, and the next two seasons. The possibility of three pennant races, you get Juan Soto for that, and you can do it if you're ready. Maybe Oakland can't do it, but everybody else can do it. Seattle can do it. Tampa Bay can do it. Minnesota can do it. They're, you have prospects. You give the Nats the prospects, and you <laughs> take Soto. I, it pains me. It pains me, but the best option is to trade him at the moment. We stay with baseball. Mm. On the mound tonight are Max Scherzer of the Mets, and that's hard for me to say, and Shohei Otani <laughs> of the Angels. Scherzer will pitch at home against Hugh Darvish and the San Diego Padres. Otani will pitch on the road in Atlanta against Charlie Morton and the Braves. Scherzer's had three starts since returning from injury. His ERA is 1.40. Think that's good? Otani's even hotter recently. He's 6-0 with an ERA of 0.45. <laughs> Pablo, if you were betting on one of these starters tonight, which one would it be? Tony, I want to take Shohei Otani because he has been the best pitcher in baseball for like three to four weeks now, as well as a top 15 hitter. We've just never seen that every time I talk about Otani with you, I say this. No one's been like this. Not even Babe Ruth has been doing this simultaneously like this. But do you really expect me to feel good about the Angels? It's remarkable. Tony, I feel so much better about the Mets. And you know our shared geographic origins here. How ridiculous it is to say that the Mets feel like a picture of stability. But they do, certainly this season, compared to an Angels team that has two of the best players of all time. And it's not just irrelevant, but bad again. So no, I don't trust the Angels. And for that reason, I lean towards Scherzer, even though Otani, I believe, is the more special talent. Okay, so you know how I feel about Scherzer. I think he's a warrior god. I think he's one of the few pitchers actually in the history of baseball that is a team leader. He's pitching at home, and he's pitching against a team that had to go 3,000 miles to get there, and I never bet against Max Scherzer. But if I were objective here, which I'm not, but if I were objective, I'd go the other one. I'd take Otani, and I'll tell you why. Because he's been the stopper for a terrible team. The Angels stink. They've lost 15 out of 18. Their only three wins in that period of time are Otani's wins. (laughs) <laughs> and here's what Otani, 0.45 ERA is just, it's, it's, it, it's literally unbelievable. Although you believe it because it, it's written there in print. Here's the deal with Otani. He also bats, which means in the first inning he can get up. He can hit a solo home run. He can get a one nothing lead and he can take it all the way into the ninth if he has to. And that, that's how I feel about this one. Yeah, Tony, tell me this, right? Because you're a historian of, of the game. What does Otani need to do, and for how long does he need to do it, for him to just be the greatest thing we've ever seen, right? I know there are great names I should show respect to, but if he does this, as you say, both things, I don't, he's his own analogy, right? He's doing two things that no one ever does at the same time this well. So people, I'll go over the bell for a second. People talk about Babe Ruth, but if I'm not mistaken, Babe Ruth didn't pitch for the Yankees. He became a great hitter with the Yankees. He had pitched earlier... Mm -hmm. With the Red, Red Sox. Sox. To, to find something analogous to what Otani is doing, you would say that, well, Tom Brady does everything he does at quarterback, and then he plays defensive back and gets 10 to 12 <laughs> interceptions a year and returns three of them. Or That's Connor right. McDavid somehow finds a way to play goalie while he's doing all these other things. We, it, we cannot yet come up with a measure on how great this guy is now and could be. Let us take a break. Coming up, did Mookie Betts have a better moment at the plate or in the field last night? And Sue Bird faces Diana Taurasi for perhaps the final time tonight. So who's had the better career? Yes, we unfairly parse greatness. Next. I just don't, I don't think anybody's come up with, you know, the comparable 
thing on, on Otani. It's not no, part of the interruption is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live La Vida Mastina. Part of happy. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You are watching Pardon the Interruption, presented by Corona Extra, part of Happy Hour. It's time for toss-up, and I'm told we have a new set of pipes with the questions. Let's hear it. Toss-up, better Mookie moment from last night. His go-ahead homer or his game-ending catch? Delight is the voice of God. Very impressive. Look, the home run is great. It's so clutch. It's a three-run homer. It wins the game. (laughs) But the catch, to me, is more spectacular. It it doesn't win the game. It doesn't even save the game. Even if the ball falls, Pablo, there's two guys on, there's still two outs, and there's still three runs behind. So I'm not going to make a claim for it. And and the other thing wins the game, the home run, but we sort of expect Mookie Betts to hit home runs. And when a great player like that lays out and makes that kind of catch, it is truly impressive to me. Tony, as much as I value your answer, I just like to imagine what a Red Sox fan is thinking when he sees this or she (laughs) sees this. You had him. We're here talking about what was more delicious. Was it the rare appetizer or the beautiful entree? Like, no, they're both great. I mean, Mookie Betts, to add insult to injury here, right? He came up, he was drafted by the Red Sox as a second baseman. He was an infielder. And so when he runs 64 feet in the outfield, and you're right, this didn't single-handedly save the game, but it did end it when it puts a punctuation mark on the game, period, point blank. It also feels like a period, point blank on what a giant mistake it was to let that guy go from Boston. Yeah, and plus he beats the Giants, which is a big deal for the Dodgers, and he robs Jock Peterson, who was his teammate on a World Series team on the Dodgers. What's next, Eli? Toss-up. They face each other for what could be the final time tonight. Better career, Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi? It's an impossible question to answer. They have the same career. They were teammates at UConn. Teammates together, they won two national titles. They were Olympic teammates five different times. They won five gold medals. Each has won multiple WNBA championships. Um, Tarasi in Phoenix and Sue Bird in 
Seattle, yeah. Tarasi's got three. Seattle's got, not Seattle, Bird's got four. Look, I personally yep. think Tarasi may be the greatest woman college ba- woman basketball player of all time, but Sue Bird sure. has my heart because she's a Long Island girl. I cannot <laughs> That's right. tell you That's who's right. had the better <laughs> career. I can't do that, but I'll tell you this. If you went to a yard sale and they put all their trophies and medals up and you bought them all, Pablo, you'd have a haul like nobody'd ever seen. No, put me in a pyramid with those trophies and send me to the afterlife with all of those accomplishments. Yes, it is lifetimes worthy of accomplishment, but Sue Bird, you know, it's funny. So Sue Bird and Dana Tarazi are now, when Tarazi plays in this game, going to be the only players in WBA history to have 500 games on their resume. They're both the leading scorer for Tarazi, the leading assist getter for Bird. But you said you can't really choose. I once asked Sue Bird herself, who is your GOAT? Because I, like you, am inclined to favor the regionality of Syosset, New York. And she said, my GOAT is Diana Taurasi. And it's not close. Yeah. And for that reason, I'm going to go lean in that direction because it came from the mouth of the bird yeah. herself. Yeah, and that's fine. And we bring this up because Bird is retiring. And if they don't play each other in the playoffs, this could be Correct. It. It's it for us on this segment. Let's take one last break. Still to come, we've got something impressive to celebrate in sprinting. And what should we be reading into Bill Belichick, not naming anybody his official offensive or defensive coordinator? He saves money that way, doesn't he? Because he doesn't have to pay the title. Doesn't the title carry with it a minimum, maybe, or something like that? Sure. And where is Steve Belichick in this? Does he have any sort of like a org chart difference, or is he still sticking his tongue out? I just found out last Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Pardon the Interruption is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live La Vida Masfina. Part of Happy Hour. Happy time, people. Happy 27th birthday, Ezekiel Elliott. Can the Cowboys running back be slipping a little already? Elliott is a one-time first-team All-Pro. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. But Elliott's numbers last season seem to indicate a fall from the great tier to the very good tier. Elliott's 237 rushes were seventh in the league. His 1,002 yards, also seventh. His 10 touchdowns tied him for sixth in the league. But Elliott's 4.2 yards per attempt was 26th among running backs. And he's splitting time with Tony Pollard. We tend to focus on Dak Prescott almost to the exclusion of everyone else on the Cowboys' offense. But there was a time, and it was recent, when the thought of Elliott getting the ball and bursting through the line the way Derrick Henry does terrorized defensive coordinators. Maybe not so much anymore. Yeah, not so much anymore, Tony. And I'm not alone in pointing out all of these advanced numbers that indicate that running backs 
are just not as valuable as they once were. But it's actually, according to Bill Barnwell, my friend, who is as smart about football numbers as anybody, Bill believes that this has been happening for four years now, four years of decline for Ezekiel Elliott, and he projects him for like 800 or some odd yards this season. So happy birthday, but also a little, little dicey there on the forecast. Happy anniversary, Rob Dibble. Around this day, 31 years ago, the hot-tempered Reds reliever was thrown out of the game by umpire Cowboy Joe West for clearly and deliberately throwing at the Cubs' Doug Desenzo while Desenzo was running to first base on a squeeze bunt. Dibble didn't even attempt to throw to first. He simply wound up, fired the ball at Desenzo for having the goal <laughs> to bunt on him. Dibble was part of the Reds' relieving corps that called themselves the Nasty Boys. Dibble, Norm Charlton, Randy Myers. They acted crazy when it suited them. This was crazy. Dibble had already given up one run. The squeeze made it 6-4 Cubs. Dibble would later say, I'm quoting here, was it ridiculous? Absolutely. But the fact that you're trying to rub our noses in it teed me off more than anything, unquote. Dibble, by the way, later worked on ESPN Radio. He was very good. Yeah, I remember Rob Dibble growing up as a broadcaster, Tony. He was good. And more than that, he was like the platonic ideal of a relief pitcher. The goatee, the anger, we obviously we lament the loss of starters today, but I miss relievers who looked like obviously a relief pitcher who had perhaps emotions that he could not always control. I kind of miss that part too. Happy trails to Michael Johnson's American record in the men's 200. Johnson's legendary record of 19.32 seconds, which had stood since 1996 is history. Noah Lyles threw 19.31 last night while winning the 200 at the World Track and Field Championships at the University of Oregon. Lyles, who went to school in Northern Virginia High School, blew away the field after what he called, quote, the start of my life, when he hit the straightaway far ahead of the other runners. Yeah. Lyles led an American sweep in the event. His 19.31 is the third fastest time ever. The fastest belongs to Usain Bolt at 19.19. Johnson had set the American record at the Atlanta, Atlanta Olympics, where I watched it, and he was on the track last night to congratulate Lyles. When Lyles crossed the finish line, his time read 1932, but then it ticked down to 1931. Lyles said, and I'm quoting here, nobody wants to share a record. I was just begging it to change. I am begging for this kid to challenge Usain Bolt, Tony. He celebrated by doing a Dragon Ball Z Kamehameha, a sentence that I know means nothing to you, but it was amazing. But instead of the gold shoes, right, you saw Michael Johnson in the gold shoes. He had that celebration. And for a new generation that needs, that needs a star in track in the 200, like this is wildly surprising to me. And also I'm grateful for it, man. We don't have stuff like this really in this generation. I love track. I went to a lot of Olympics. Wilbon loves track. I mean, when you, when you throw the whole, you turn over the whole card, what is the whole card? The whole card for me is the fact that I was there in Seoul when Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis went in 100. Like mm. most people would consider that the greatest race of all time. And especially yeah. Carl Lewis looking over at Ben Johnson, realizing I can't catch this guy. <laughs> now, some of that had to do with steroids. But exactly. I'm just saying the investigation was, subsequent. Yeah. That's the best, that's the best thing I, I've ever seen, actually. Let's go to the big finish. Bill Pelichick won't officially name offensive or defensive coordinators. Does that make sense to you? I don't know if it makes sense, but I know it sounds like the plot of succession. And so anything that makes Bill Belichick, Logan Roy, and his kids competing for his love, I'm in favor of. The Sharks, meanwhile, are finalizing a deal to make David Quinn their next head coach. Is that a good fit? I don't know. I mean, he was with the Rangers for a while. He wasn't yeah. much. I don't know. No. Jacob DeGrom threw 60 pitches in a simulated game yesterday. Is that a good sign? It's a good sign because he hasn't pitched in the majors since July 7th 
2021, and he was once the most feared pitcher in baseball, basically. But Baseball Hall of Fame inductions are this weekend. Tony, are you excited? Love them, love them. A big poppy is going in. Tim Kirchin is going in. If you yes. get a chance to stay at the Otis Saga Hotel there and play Leatherstocking in <laughs> Cooperstown, it's great. Last one, Bengals announced alternate white helmets with black stripes. Do you like those? Tony, it makes me think of Manticore and Siegfried and Roy, which isn't exactly what you'd want to summon if you're a tiger-based mascot. No, I think a tiger's is being orange, you, right? We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Pablo Torre. Thank you so much for watching. And please check out ESPN Daily wherever you get the really good podcasts. And now, your Sports Center. Ian Knight, thank you for sending me that book. I'm going to read it, and I don't usually read much. <laughs>